Today for our Leadership in Action interview, I'm delighted to be joined by Kevin Murray, Chairman of Good Relations, the Public Relations Division of Chime Communications PLC. When I first met Kevin, he told me a wonderful story about his first terrifying day as a 19-year-old cub reporter on Johannesburg Star newspaper. Clearly he survived and became a passionate exponent of the art of communication and its application to business and leadership. His career has encompassed roles including Director of Communications at British Airways and Director of Corporate Affairs for AEA Technology, a spin-off from the UK Atomic Energy Authority. Recently, in addition to his role with Good Relations, Kevin has somehow found time to write an excellent book on the subject of leadership and communication called The Language of Leaders. This was no mean feat as it involved interviewing over 60 CEOs from business, not-for-profit and even the world of Formula One motor racing. So let's get revved up for a really exciting session. Welcome, Kevin. How's life treating you? Hello, Brett. Brilliantly, thank you very much. Oh, excellent. Um, Could you tell us a bit about how you developed your passion for communication? Oh, gosh, you're going back now to when I was a child. Um, (laughs) uh, I can remember my mother telling me about me writing stories when I was about an eight or nine-year-old, and she kept them in exercise books. And uh, the prediction in those days was that I was going to be a BBC newsreader, which was close because I became eventually a journalist and then moved into public relations and communications. But I have been passionate about communication for as long as I can remember. What made you transition from the world of journalism to a career in business communications? Uh, The honest answer to that is that um, journalism didn't pay. (laughs) And I had a wife and two kids and I had to think about a more uh, commercially astute future. So I I moved into in-house corporate journalism, which was about writing corporate magazines uh, and producing and editing publications for big companies, which naturally uh, moved on to becoming a public relations person and then representing companies um, from uh, Bayer, uh, the chemical pharmaceutical company, And that actually meant lots of face-to-face contact with the various publics that Bayer had, from customers to local communities to government officials, uh, and just learning to communicate in ways that would um, help to improve the reputation of the company that I represented. And then from Bayer to uh, the Atomic Energy Authority, and then to British Airways, and then into consultancy. Mm -hmm. Did you have any formal training during this process, or was it a matter of no? The only training learning I had, from feedback. Uh, well, both, but very much feedback. Um, but the only training I ever had really was um, a, a, as a cub reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it was all on the job, learned by experience. Um, plus, uh, Im- immense, unbridled um, uh, curiosity. Right. Uh, curiosity, I think, is one of the things I hold most dear about myself um, because I can never ever have that curiosity satisfied and I actually believe it's been one of the pivots to my success in life and it's one of the things I look for in, in all the recruits that I hire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think curiosity is a good thing. Excellent. Okay. Um, you must have seen some great examples of leadership in your time and some real shockers too, I'm sure. Can you give some examples of each and say what lessons we can take from them? Yes, you're right. I have seen, um, I've seen both. I've seen some incredible leadership under the most testing of circumstances. 
and I've seen some simply awful leadership, um, which hasn't been in testing circumstances at all. Uh, so, uh, and and but I'm afraid I, I need to be a little bit coy about um, naming names here. So I will tell some a, a couple of generic stories. I think um, the leaders who have impressed me most have been those who, under very challenging circumstances, have not only uh, been able to see what the right strategy is but also to hold true to it in the most testing of circumstances and inspire others to it and help them to believe in it and stay true to it and commit themselves to it. And I actually think that that ability, the ability to convince people to the cause, is probably one of the greatest leadership assets that you can have in today's world. Um, And I've seen some pretty mediocre strategists deliver incredible results um, because they've been able to um, bring everybody on board and somehow ignite the passions of the team around them. Mm-hmm. Equally, I've seen some brilliant, um, brilliant, highly intellectual leaders unable to take anybody with them at all. And I'm convinced they had the right strategy. I'm utterly convinced that they had the right plan, mm-hmm. but they just couldn't bring anyone with them. Sometimes I know that the followers could see the the rightness of the plan, but just didn't want to go because the person was so obnoxious. And um, and so I think, having seen both of those things, I, I came to a really clear view that um, it's no good having the right strategy unless you can take people with you. Because you as a leader can't deliver the results by yourself. So the ability to inspire others to get on board and to help you deliver it it is um, crucial in this world where I think the expectations of followers have ramped up. Um, The old idea of uh, command-style leadership, I think, have long gone. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, there are moments when that's necessary, but these days it's much more about influence and um, persuading people and making people feel great and able to perform beyond any dreams that they ever had uh, and that's how you get the you know stunning results communication obviously is a, is a huge um areas uh, and there are within it a lot of different specialisms and what inspired you to focus on the leadership aspect of communication when you decided to write your book hmm. it's a really good question i i've um because i've been involved in public relations I've been involved in so many different facets of communication. I've dealt with companies in the middle of a crisis. I've dealt with businesses that are going through change and need to communicate the change. I've going through businesses trying to cope with enormous success, um, and that can be equally uh, um, tense. And um, so I've seen all sorts of communication. Communication that is focused on government and political audiences, communication focused on staff, communication focused on local communities, communication designed to attract customers. Uh, and so, you know, um, the more, uh, the communication with shareholders, uh, trying to convince them to give more money to the enterprise. So I've seen every facet of communication, and I think what I gradually came to view of was how important leadership is. Uh, I think leaders in today's world get heavily knocked they get battered and bruised and beaten up for the smallest failures in a in a very transparent world in which everybody's a critic 
and and I'm very um, when I was uh, I've just been doing the um, proofing of the paperback edition of the book and I, and I've done another 15 interviews so the number of leaders has gone up to 75 and I was looking at how many of them have either been pushed or moved on or resigned uh, in just 18 months and it's 25 percent Wow. Uh, and I just was then looking at some statistics around the average tenure of CEOs, which is dramatically declining uh, currently from you know ten years, ten years ago to four five years now. So it's a it's a job filled with jeopardy, and um, I don't think that leadership is recognised uh, enough. I don't think people understand how important leadership is. Leadership creates the wealth of nations and and I think great leadership should be applauded and so I became very interested in well, what makes great leadership um, and in a world populated with a lot of clever people how do you differentiate the leaders who can really make a difference and those who uh, are clever but can't make a difference at all and so I became very interested in this idea of what is it that that great leadership and great communication do and the answer is that it provides inspiration. It provides the inspiration for people to support you, whether they're your own staff or whether they're um, customers or communities or shareholders or governments or regulators. It's about inspiring people to support you through great communication. And there can be nothing, in my view, more important than that in today's world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of other stuff in there, isn't there? <laughs> um, so... Um, when we met before, you said that the interviews were just the start and you spent many, many months analysing and distilling them down. From this, you identified the 12 principles of leadership communication that you outlined in, in your book. Could you run through some of the main themes for us, please? Yes, of course. Um, yes, I, I, like you, I taped every interview and I then I had them transcribed and I was able at leisure to review them and read them and reread them and reread them. And uh, the transcripts total something like six hundred thousand words of copy, uh, so there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of material. But I was gradually, after reading them uh, more times than I can count, beginning to see a pattern. And the pattern existed um, when I then retro uh, inspected all the interviews. It, it it existed in almost every interview. And the pattern was around these 12 principles, which I've broken into three areas. Uh, area one is what I call the basics. Area two is what I call receiving. And area three is sending. Mm-hmm. So within the uh, uh, basics area, I saw that there were, um, there were five elements. One was what I, I call uh, being yourself better. And that was all about authenticity. And authenticity and leadership, I know it's been written about a lot. And everybody knows it's important and everybody understands why it's important. But not many people know how to, um, how to generate that authenticity so that it shines. Mm-hmm. So that who you are shows through and, and, and you can become unafraid of showing who you are. And I think a lot of leaders don't show who they are because they are afraid of doing it. So how do, you, how do you learn to be yourself better becomes a really key challenge. Absolutely. The next um, basic is all about um, what I call purpose and values. And what I found there was that this has now become one of the preeminent 
areas of focus for leaders. In a world where you've got to create more leadership, uh, the only way that you empower those leaders is to enable them to make decisions when you're not around uh, by a strong sense of purpose and a very strong set of values that mean that they know what the right thing to do is. Mm-hmm. Um, crystal clarity on the future. Uh, what I was astounded by was that that kind of absolute focus on the future. Th- these leaders could see the future and they had envisaged it in very detailed ways. So they were able to communicate that future all the time and they used the future to drive the present. And so they knew what they were going for all the time. And you know the old saying, if I don't know where I'm going, I'll probably wind up somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, they don't have that. Right. <laughs> they have yeah. an absolute <laughs> focus. Um, increasingly, they were recognizing the need to bring the outside world into the organization. And so they became very tuned to how to um, bring that perspective of um, all those external stakeholders into the decision-making of the business. And that was um, uh, a very, very strong t- trend. And then finally, among the five basics was um, engagement. You know, every leader today has heard about the need for engagement. But the big question then becomes, yeah, but how do you go about engaging people? How do you get the best out of people? And the answer I came to um, from all of these interviews was, basically, it's through conversations. The more conversations you can have in business inside the company about the right thing to do, about where to go, how to do it, the more engaged that staff are. And sometimes um, simply having the conversations better enables um, progress. So conversations power progress. So that was the basics. Uh, The second area was receiving, and that was two points. One was the need to become much more audience-centric. Audience centricity is all about focusing on them, not you. What do they want to hear, not do you. what do you want to say? And that's actually quite difficult for a lot of leaders because they're very strong people who have very clear points of view and they want to give it. Uh, but the only way you communicate successfully is to communicate from the outside in. What do people want to hear? You only earn the right to be heard when you've shown the respect of listening, mm-hmm. which leads to the second key point, which is uh, the power of listening. And um, I think that's an area that leaders have got uh, a lot of work to do um, because leaders can sometimes be in danger of wearing out their ears and stopping listening. And uh, the phrase I use a lot now is the need for leaders to be bad news junkies. Uh, In this world where, you know, you don't have time anymore at the speed that we operate in in today's world, unless you're a bad news junkie, you'll never be able to auto-correct Uh, at the speed of light um, and prevent the kind of massive failures that you can get that can destroy your reputation, destroy your business Mm -hmm. overnight. So listening, being a bad news junkie, really critical. So that's the basics and the uh, listening part. And then uh, the third area is uh, is sending. How how do you transmit things you need to say? And I think um, one is uh, the need to learn to develop a powerful point of view. Uh, we're living in a world of points of view where everybody's got the means by which to put it online and, and those points of view can go viral overnight. And if you don't have one, then you're sadly lacking in a vital um, weapon in your armory. So having a powerful point of view is critical. But it must be a point of view born of all your values, your sense of mission in life, your beliefs, um, 
and with a focus on the benefits to your audiences. Um, and with that kind of point of view, you can then much better persuade in today's world. But your point of view needs to have stories in it. So stories is another key element of business. I see a huge renaissance in stories. And stories now are, I think, probably one of the most underrated leadership tools of all. And some of the best leaders I've seen are some of the greatest storytellers that I know. Uh, finally, the, the, the old adage of um, learn to recognize the signals that you're sending, often unwittingly. I think most leaders don't realize how they send signals into their organizations that they're unaware of. Um, and it's from body language right through to acting or not acting on big policies. Have you got any examples of that? Oh, yes. Um, example one on a big policy issue would be something like, um, we don't believe in bullying. And then we allow a salesperson who's a top revenue generator to get away with bullying. And we do nothing about it because they're so valuable to the company. Well, that will send the biggest signal into the organization about whether or not you believe in bullying. And unfortunately, a lot of companies do exactly that. Uh, right through to the micro issues of um, your own body language when you're listening to somebody. You know, are your eyes glazing over? Are you looking somewhere else? Are you paying attention to them? Um, and and very often we are just not aware of the signals we're sending. And those signals can be much more powerful than any words we ever use. Mm-hmm. Final two points then. One is never, ever, ever go on a public platform unprepared because everybody's got a mobile phone, everybody's got a camera, everybody's got a recorder, and anything you say can go um, global within microseconds. And so you you cannot afford to be unprepared, and that means rehearse, plan, understand, be audience-centric, all of the things I've spoken about before. And I think the final point, the thing that was really um, made me quite humble when I spoke with these leaders was that no matter how experience they were, no matter how much um, success they had achieved, not one of them ever said to me that they had actually ever mastered communication. They still believed they had more to learn uh, and could get better, and uh, I think that's a really good attitude of mine to have um, for what is such a crucial skill of leadership. So those are the 12 principles. Okay, well, that, that last one was something that very much struck me about the book, the importance that leaders placed on continuously improving their communication skills. Uh, to what extent do you feel these people are natural communicators and how much have they had to learn? I guess it's a kind of uh, nurture versus nature mm. kind of question. Yeah, I, I, that question comes up a lot. Um, and I think it is something that I, I think holds back a lot of leaders who think it's all about nature. And I don't believe that. I think it is about nurture. Of course, those who have a natural ability and practice will become really good. Um, But I think everybody can get a lot better and certainly beyond simply competent if they just try and apply these principles. Uh, And I've seen some um, perfectly ordinary people who simply learn to be more passionate, learn to show more respect to people, learn to listen better, um, provide uh, inspirational leadership, and never, ever become great orators. And I think that's the thing we confuse about great communication. 
it doesn't mean being a Winston Churchill-like orator. Great communicators are more focused on other people than they are on themselves. So often you get leaders saying, you ask a leader, give me a model of your great leader, and they'll give you a politician. Completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, politician, politicians operate in a different environment. They need rhetoric. They need that platform to, to perform on. Uh, leadership isn't about that. Sometimes it is, but mostly it's about you know that two-way communication that makes other people um, feel uh, that they can perform, feel that they are liberated, feel that they can achieve the impossible. That's what great communication really is. Yeah, I think one of the key lessons we can take from that is that these people aren't successful by accident. And how much have you personally had to work on your communication skills? Uh, a lot. You, you might think that after 40 years of um, working that I'd be fairly practised at communication. I, I, I have to constantly remind myself to listen better. I have to constantly remind myself to show appreciation to um, my staff and to um, anybody who's ever helped me or done a good job. I have to be constantly on, um, on the alert for signals I might send. And I think that's the biggest one for me now. I've become very, very tuned to the signals that I send or um, unintentionally might be sending um, without really even thinking about it. You know, when you're a leader, uh, you carry a huge import with you so that it, it, um, it, it acts like a megaphone for anything you say, even to the most casual of comments. Uh, and so you, you have to be aware of it. You have to be more sensitive to that. So um, I think this whole exercise of the book um, has had a huge effect on my own leadership style. And what advice can you give us about how we can best develop our own communication skills? I think it is to start uh, to start with the mindset that says it's important and I really need to learn. Uh, and if you get that far, I think you've made a huge step. Uh, and from there on, it's easy. Um, because very often, we fool ourselves into thinking that we are good communicators and we we th- we are th- usually making that assumption because we can deliver a message well, um, and we forget all the other things I've spoken about, and we would be shocked and surprised to learn that other people don't think we're very good communicators. And so I think start from the premise I have a lot more to learn, and from there I think recognise that uh, communication language is actually a system of communication, and a system uh, brings many different things together to produce a whole. And so the reason I chose the title, The Language of Leaders, is because it's all about a system of communication that leaders use. So stop thinking it's just about words. It's not. It's a whole big system where you have to do everything to be great. As they say, words constitute about 7% of your communication overall. You've met and interviewed a truly impressive range of leaders, including Stuart Rose, Ron Dennis, Clive Woodward, Thomas Enders, Barbara Cassani. Of all those luminaries, which ones impressed you the most and why? This isn't being sycophantic, but every one of them in a way impressed me because every one of them was hugely successful in their own right. So every one of them had something about them that that had rare quality. 
Um, but I guess one of the people who impressed me most of all was um, Paul Polman, of the CEO of Unilever. And um, he uh, is a Dutchman, so he, his English is not as fluent as yours or mine. He is still pretty impressive uh, when he talks, but uh, it's the passion and foresight uh, that he shows. It's the faith in the talent of his people. It's the belief in a um, in a in a running a business that has a purpose beyond profit. Uh, it's his utter commitment to a strong set of values that become the organization's true north. And it's his commitment to brave, um, bold uh, um, objectives and goals that seem unattainable, but which he drives for, and then uh, aligns the whole organization to that really impressed me. And uh, the more I saw that in him, the more I realized that this was actually also an attribute of nearly every one of the other leaders I spoke to as well, that absolute passionate drive for success, um, which which was a feature that they all, uh, in one or other way, displayed. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the, the key things that uh, great leaders show is they are able to instill that immense self-belief that we really can achieve this. Mm. I think, think it's fantastic to see when it's in action. It is true. Yeah. And writing the book was the same thing for me. I, I talked about it for years. <laughs> for over a decade, I talked about it. Um, and then one day, I decided to do it. And when that commitment overtook me, nothing would stop me. Nothing would stop me. And it became a really um, good example to me of what that passion to succeed can enable you to do in even the most difficult of circumstances. Um, and the clarity of the goal, how important that is. Um, and and the more I see that in other people, the more I step back and think, there's a leader. Mm. Excellent. Um, from all your experience and years of observation, what do you consider the most important qualities of a great leader? Of course... I'm sure you believe that they should be great communicators, but what about their other skills? Obviously, I think great leaders need to have a degree of um, raw intellect. Uh, They need to be able to assess situations, understand the big picture, what's going on, uh, be able to come to view on the right course of action through a process of logic and intuition and sense and uh, an understanding of people. And combining all of that does require a degree of both intellectual and emotional intelligence, which you do need. Um, I think another one is that um, that passion to succeed, unwavering, unremitting, relentless passion to succeed. Um, I think another one is the ability to pick the right people uh, to get on, on the bus and... Um, I think some of the best leaders I've seen have picked really good people. Uh, very often, people who might even be considered to be better than them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that... Uh, I've also seen a lot of leaders fail because they've picked people, but they've picked people who weren't better than them. And they could shine and the others couldn't, and therefore everything fell upon them, and they weren't able to really, really succeed because everything relied on them. Um, and then I think it's what I would call domain excellence, which is 
uh, an understanding of the business you're in. It's very hard to lead a business and gain respect from people if you don't have some of that domain excellence. So um, I think I think those are the things that I would say I've seen as being the basics. Okay, uh, one final question. Given everything you've learned over the years, if you have one piece of advice to help us become better leaders, what would it be? I think it has to be about know yourself. Know your own values. Um, articulate those values to yourself. Because if you can think really hard about articulating your values, it provides enormous clarity and and therefore powers your passion and powers your ability to stay true to the things you believe in. It's, it's like, um, I remember when I first articulated some of the values that were really dear to me, uh, how that made me utterly clear on the things that I would or wouldn't accept uh, in my own behaviours. And after that, it became really clear to others what I would or wouldn't accept. And from there on in, it, it became a lot easier to be myself and, uh, and in being myself, show people the passion about the things that I really cared about and then provide the kind of leadership that um, would actually make a difference to them. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Kevin, for a really fascinating insight into the realms of communication and leadership. Can you tell us how to get hold of a copy of your book, The Language of Leaders? Absolutely. Uh, it, it's still available on um, Amazon or from Waterstones or from WH Smith online, so you can order it online. Uh, the, the hardback is now running out in the run-up to the paperback, um, and then it'll be back on the shelves again in a, in a new and different format. But in the meantime, you can get it online. Okay, thank you. And what's your next challenge now you've got the book behind you? <laughs> Book two. Um, I've been uh, contracted to write uh, a second book, which I have to finish by August this year. And that has its title already. And rather dauntingly, the publisher has given me the cover already. Um, I think it's their way of inspiring me. Uh, and that one will be called uh, Communicate to Inspire a Leader's Guide. Brilliant. Well, good luck with that. And many thanks again for sparing so much of your valuable time to share this information. Well, there you have it. Make sure you get your copy of Kevin's book, The Language of Leaders. I'm certain you'll find a whole treasure trove of nuggets waiting there to help you develop and improve your own leadership communication and get more of the results you want in your work, life and play.